Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. And we're talking about the one this week because on the turntable, we've got Kylie Minogue with X. Is it X, Will, or is it 10? Is it Roman numeral? Is it her 10th studio album by any chance? Well, it actually is, yeah. But I think we were call- I think we're calling it X, aren't we? We are calling it X, but the X is a Roman numeral. Um, uh, do you want me to explain what a Roman numeral is? No, thank you. I'm quite aware. Sorry, I didn't mean to get too patronising too soon. No, we'll build up to that. Probably. It's not a family lunch. Uh, so, and like a drug, we uh, can't stop talking about Kylie Minogue this year. I can't believe uh, we're talking about her again. It feels like only a few weeks ago we were last covering her. Well, it was, Will. We were celebrating 25 years of Impossible Princess just last month, exclusively on Patreon, of course, because it was voted for by the patrons as part of Oct Voterfest. I never, I didn't think I'd have to say that again this year, actually. Yeah. So, uh, and you said it right, but I didn't. Um, I must say, I'm not just saying this, but I think it's one of the best episodes we've ever recorded. Yeah, and I think it had to be, didn't it? There's a lot of pressure. There's certain albums we talk about where they're, they're so popular and there's so much in the zeitgeist of popular music and culture that we have to do them justice. And so, yeah, I think we did. And then fast forward 10 years later, which is 15 years ago now, if you can do the maths, and we're talking about X. Uh, And this is uh, a slice of of the noughties, 2007. Uh, Not only is it Kylie's 10th studio album, uh, she's also, this is also the period of albums where she roped in the world and his wife uh, to collaborate so these albums were a real melting pot of musical production talent uh, and writing talent of the time it's interesting isn't it more so now um, or more latterly in her career she's moved away from that kind of scattergun approach and she's collaborated more consistently uh, for the most part but this is you're right Dan you've disappeared Sorry, yeah, I just uh, my lines look quite small, so I was just checking that my switch wasn't flicked uh, to go quiet, but it's not. So sorry to interrupt you, but I didn't interrupt you actually. You interrupted yourself. And for our listeners, that was some really technical uh, mm. audio podcasting language. There, apologies if it uh, confused anyone. Uh, lines and back. switches, lines and switches, and bobbing your head around buttons and bottoms and all sorts. Of all things. sorts. Uh, so yeah, this is from 2007, and some yeah great talent on here uh, that we're going to talk about. And do you know what? It feels like for X, there was equally as much stuff not featured on this album uh, on in the pure 13 track album as there was featured on. Yes, so many bonus tracks, some with some of the collaborators from the album, some without. But also, will there were so many uh, potential collaborations that were rumoured or that were actually confirmed that didn't happen. In fact, shall I I was going to mention them later, but shall I mention them now? Because we've got a lot of people to talk about. Shall we get these names out of the way? Yeah, so all the people that could have, should have, maybe in discussions too, but didn't get there. And and some of this could be rumours, Will. So, you know, take it take some of it with a pinch of salt. But apparently Pet Shop Boys submitted a few tracks which were rejected and then used uh, to make the songs on yes also hot chip were hot chip were approached actually um but were too busy creating made in the dark 
a phenomenal album, of course. Uh, there was supposed to be a duet with Nelly Furtado that didn't happen. And then supposedly there were tracks uh, created or worked on with Boy George, Sneaky Sound System, Dragonette, Siobhan Fahey, Goldfrap, Hannah Robinson, Daft Punk, Mark Ronson, oh, Groove Armada. No, stop, stop, stop. I just, I'm just listening to that list and thinking, oh, if only some of those things <laughs> were true or could have come true or could have come to fruition. Because uh, that was like a who's who of who was hot, as well as the producers she did ultimately work with, who was hot. I'd love to have heard her collaborate with the likes of Sneaky Sound System and Dragonette, uh, particularly yep. as they're from her motherland as well. Uh, so that's a real shame. Also, Hot Chip would have been amazing. I I heard a rumour somewhere that Ready for the Floor was meant to be one for her. Really? Well, I suppose if they had been approached and they were creating Made in the Dark at the time, you know, perhaps they were making that track and saying this could be one of the Kylie ones. But I, I think really, as, as much as we adore Kylie, I'm glad Hot Chip kept that one. I love that's one of my favourites of theirs. I think it's probably most people's favorite mm, yeah it's one of their one of the best always goes down a storm live mm. uh, and they always play it towards the end of the set because they know it's a big one uh also imagine uh if kylie sang one life stand i think hot hot chip and kylie have got to do something one day haven't they we so yeah why are we talking about kylie minogue and x this episode so as i've already said will sarcastic smile there X is 15 this week. Uh, and as you said, Will, this was Kylie's 10th studio album, hence the name. But this is our eighth Kylie episode. Now, Will, I'm putting you on the spot here. Can you name the other Kylie albums we've been track by track through? Uh, let's get to it. Yes. Impossible Princess. Yep. Light Years. Yep. Kylie Christmas. Yep. Disco. Yep. Fever. Yep. Uh, kiss me once. No, it's Aphrodite. Aphrodite, yes, of yes. Course. Is, is that it? Is that it? That's it. So lots of good stuff to come. Worth noting, of course, next year is the twentieth anniversary of Body Language. Just putting that out there. Uh, now, uh, do I need to explain Kylie Minogue? I guess for anyone who's listened to Track by Track for the first time. <laughs> Uh, so Kylie Ann Minogue, Australian superstar, icon, diva, queen, uh, singer-songwriter, actress, producer, muse. Uh, winemaker. Winemaker, thank you very much. Philanthropist. Uh, 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 no, she's not. That'd be disgusting. Oh, philanthropy, Will. Uh, uh, <laughs> A linen maker, fragrance maker. She's uh, all herself, all by hand. She does it all herself in a in her garage. Yeah, she's like just how like lush started, I expect. Mm. Uh, but Dan, it's a crying shame we're yet to see her on QVC with her sister. And most recently, we have seen her uh, bring the house down uh, at the end of the neighbours. Uh, finale well not at the end she didn't bring the house down in fact she said very little but she was on <laughs> screen for a small amount of time next to jason donovan which was lovely a real touching tribute to the soap the the soap that started her career that catapulted her catapulted her into the mainstream and 
we have a new album to look forward to. She has confirmed that she's working on new music, the follow-up to Disco. And there was no tour for Disco, of course, because that was released in 2020. So we probably can assume that she's cooking up a real storm to take out on tour around the world as well. And, of course, with the expertise of longtime collaborator, Mr. Steve Anderson. Uh, a composer, maestro, a super arranger, super... He's got such a fantastic ear and creative mind. I just... What he's done for so many is just... Um, I could stand up and applaud. The way he reworks her tracks again and again and again, though, is just phenomenal. And like a lot of people, I would love to have EPs of just an EP of Slow and all the different versions he's done and all the different versions of Can't Get You Out of My Head and everything else as well. So X released on the 21st of November 2007. This is Kylie, uh, dance pop Kylie, experimenting, staying very true to her vision at the same time, working with uh, so many different producers and writers, all of them super talented off their own work and with others. Uh, this is 13 tracks, and uh, should we get to it? Let's get to it, yeah, because we have got a lot to get through today. And we're kicking off with side one, track one, two, hot. So, side one track from there, Two Hearts. Now, this is uh, different, for me, a different start to a Kylie album. Normally, we kick off with some huge pop, dance pop banger. But this is something a little bit, little bit alternative, but is no less catchy or infectious. And I love the fact that for the opening track on this album and the lead single for this album... She surprised everyone. Definitely. And we have to say as well, of course, this was a big comeback for Kylie because between the previous studio album, Body Language, which was released in 2003, and this, um, a lot happened in Kylie's life. She released Ultimate Kylie in 2004. She announced the Showgirl tour, which kicked off in early 2005. And then she had the breast cancer diagnosis so, of course, she had to cancel the rest of the tour, uh, mm. stop any future plans, including the Glastonbury headline slot in 2005. And as we all know, uh, the treatment was successful and Kylie, of course, came back with this. Uh, but two years had passed. A lot, a lot had happened in Kylie's life. So this was a really big comeback and a really big lead track for a project. And a lot of people that I've spoken to about recently, when, when I said we're doing this album, they've said... Mm, two hearts not really the best lead single and a lot of things i've seen on twitter about this song as well have said similar and i have to be honest will you know huge kylie minogue fan um and i think a true fan can point out when one of their favorite artists doesn't make the right decision but i think this is an amazing lead track <laughs> i absolutely love this song i love this new style i love this kind of 
glam rock kind of dance hall sound that she's got in this. It sounds totally different to what came before. Uh, and I think it was 100% the right choice. Oh, Dan, you had led us all up the garden path then. But I was just thinking in my head, knowing you and knowing this track, there's no way that you could not like this song because of the style and the production of it. Uh, so so there we are. You've laid yourself bare, finally, Thank, thankfully. Uh, this, uh, we obviously, we need to say uh, this is uh, Kish Mauve originally recorded this track, uh, who we have talked about them before on the podcast. Uh, but uh, this is my favourite Kish Mauve is actually Lose Control, not this song. And also, of course, we spoke about them last year because they have done a lot of work with Will Young. He has covered one of their tracks as well. Um, I don't think they work with a a huge amount of artists, but who they do work with, they work with well. Also, I just want to correct myself because I said dance hall sound. I meant more of a music hall sound. Yeah, very different. The two very different halls. Uh, I would say it does sound, yeah, I love the sort of glam electro rock, kind of the sort of thing that like Alison Goldfrapp, Rachel Stevens would do. Yeah. Oh, she'd be livid at us mentioning Putting the Rachel two together. in the same breath. Absolutely fuming. She's probably listening. Sorry, Ali Lovey. Sorry. Sorry, Alison. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot to love in this song, though. I think certainly that kind of sultry beginning, but the beat that runs through this and the, and the blips and the bleeps, sorry for the technical words, uh, <laughs> running through it as well. But it's very like, it's a bit sexy, isn't it? Is it? Is that why? It's, is that, yeah. It's very sexy. I think Kylie's vocal has a lot to do with that. And when she speaks about recording this track with Quiche, first name terms, even though it's a band, just going to give quiche. the band a first name. Yeah, Quiche Lorraine. She had a Quiche with her. Yeah. Yes, quiche. she had a Quiche with, yeah. with Jim and Mima. Mima or Mima? Mima or Mima? Mima. Mimi. Mimi Lovey. Uh, and she also talks about how how much they put her at ease and how she was able to kind of keep recording, keep recording till she felt comfortable with the track. And part of that was that she wanted those verses to sound really relaxed. Uh, and I think that definitely comes across. It's almost like she's just, you can imagine her, it's very sultry. You can imagine her just striding across the stage or the bedroom and just reciting those lyrics. The crucial question is, for a bit more of a divisive lead single, how did it fare in the charts? So yes, lead single released in November of 2007. Just to give it a bit of context, the lead single from the previous album, Slow, went in at number one. The lead single from the previous album, Can't Get You Out of My Head, went in at number one. The lead single from the previous album, Spinning Around, went in at number one. This track entered at number 12. I can only assume this is when digital downloads were starting to play in some way or whatever. And then the following week reached its peak of number four. Okay, number four. I mean, it's not number one, but it's not number 24 either, is it? No, it's not too bad at all. Uh, A timeless top 10, Will. And we actually spoke about this top 10 a couple of weeks ago because this is the same week that Falling Down by Duran Duran was released. So at number one, blimey. Holding her position number one, Leona with Bleeding Love. Number two, holding their position, 
take that with Rule the World. And at number three, holding their position, Timberland and One Republic with Apologise. And then that's that's that top three, that holy trinity of tracks from this time holding off Kylie's Two Hearts. There are more singles to come from this album, some glorious singles to come from this album, some classic Kylie-style singles to come from this album as well. But and you know, I've got to say, I don't want anyone to think we're doing this song down at all because I really love this song. I really like the fact that it's something different at the start of the album. And I would actually say this, I think it's underrated as a single. I don't, I don't understand the negativity towards it as a single or as a lead single or whatever. I just think, you know, we love when Kylie does different things. As we talked about on the Impossible Princess episode, this is very different to Slow and Body Language. And it's very different to the two tracks that came with, uh, was it Ultimate Kylie? That, that greatest mm. hits I just mentioned about five minutes ago. Um, and of course, it's very different to what came next. So I just think, and no, I'm not going to be negative. I'll just say no. <laughs> you're entitled to your opinion, but but change it. So should we move on? Yeah, let's go for it. Track two now, Like a Drug. So like a drug there, and I love that we're going straight into an album track here. We say so many times how important track two is, especially if it is an album track. And I think this is great how it quickly switches the sound and the style of the album, making it very clear that this isn't all going to be a glam rock influenced album. This is going to have lots of electronics and lots of different sounds in it, as you might expect from a Kylie album. And as we'll come on to here, you probably get that more on this one than you do a lot of other Kylie albums. But I think this is a great injection of those styles. Also, I think if you knew that Calvin Harris was involved in this record, I think you could be forgiven for assuming that this is one of his tracks, but it's not. You're right, because it's got that electro pulse um, that vibe that he was really into. Uh, uh, well, that was just his... Back in 2007, that was very much his signature style and obviously he's evolved and grown uh and now he stands very uh proud as uh an all-rounder uh and it's sometimes nice to stand back and look at that isn't it dan lovely to stand back and look at an all-rounder it would be a shame if every time we mention calvin harris we had to make some crude joke about his um penis (laughs) it's a penis (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he can eat it uh, but he's not involved in this one this was written with Cutfather, who of course we've spoken about many times before he also co-produced it with another one of the songwriters jonas jeberg or jonas jeberg more likely he has i don't think we've talked about him at all before will but he has written and produced with the likes of panic at the disco selena gomez and Nicki minaj and also on the songwriting with this one, you've got Angelina, who's also worked with Bass Hunter and DJ Encore. And you've also got Adam Powers. 
Uh, do you know what I like? I also, Dan, just got to say, I loved your little joke. I don't think anybody picked up on it at the time, uh, but the reference to drugs and injection, very, very subtle, very nicely done. I mean, this is, this is the part where I should probably keep quiet and <laughs> not realise that I'd done that later. But I think I love, the, it's very hypnotising, this song, very trance-like, isn't it? The way, I guess, it's a heady track uh as it's meant to be because it's again a, a very a song very much about love and sex and you know it just feels like uh it's a very yeah a very addictive track like both of those things for some people absolutely yeah how are your sessions going by the way your saa uh, meetings ass is anonymous <laughs> anonymous. but will as you said lyrically Lyrically. And there's my one for this episode. Uh, this definitely is a sexual song. Uh, Kylie talking about getting her on the floor. And some of the negativity around this album, because you'll you'll come on to talk about how it was received. Uh, and it wasn't as positive as some of her other releases. We all know that already. Some of the negativity was about the lyrical content. And I think people didn't like that either. Is it because she's a woman... Is it because she's a woman? Is it because she's a woman of a certain age? Is it because what she'd just been through? I don't know. But, you know, as you and I, I'm sure, will agree, that's a disgusting way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I've always loved about Kyrie is she is proudly honest and uh, and herself and totally in control of the music she wants to make. And ultimately, if you don't like that, you can just get stuffed. Exactly. But I do, going back to what you said at the start of this bit, I do like, for track two, it's an album track. I do like it's something different, uh, but following a similar theme. And the next song continues in a similar sound. Should we go to it now? Let's go for it, Dan. It's track three, In My Arms. Okay, that was how does it feel in my arms? And this, we're on to the first truly great, truly fantastic, truly goosebumpy uh, track on the album. And for me, the goosebumps come at the chorus, and Kylie's voice, the way it soars, is fantastic. And it's also underpinned this is calvin harris there's no two ways about it this is totally his sound back in 2007 and i love the combination of his sound and her voice it's yeah it's this is just a fantastic track again such a such a wistful romantic track as well with a kind of slightly dirty electro beat i just think it just pairs brilliantly yeah it's such a good combination. And of course, they did continue to work together on Aphrodite, which we have spoken about. But I love I love that this collaboration happened. And I love how just from the off, from the very beginning of the track, 
you have those very simple, very fuzzy electronics, which almost actually sound a little bit like older Calvin. And then you have Kylie's spoken word and you just know something special is about to happen with this song. And then it explodes. And this, for me, this is just one of... You know, Kylie's got so many singles now that there are going to be some underrated ones and there are going to be some forgotten ones. For me, this is one of those that it's probably not going to appear on the radio as often and it's probably not going to appear on the live set list so often, but really it should. I think this is just uh, an absolute stunner. I have a question for you, Dan. Mm-hmm. How do you think it feels in Kylie's arms? Oh, I imagine it feels like heaven will. I imagine it feels like laying in silk. I would say like having a thousand butterflies wrap your se- wrap themselves around your arms. Wrap themselves? Wet up wrap butter themselves. Disgusting. With somebody whispering in your ear, everything's going to be okay. That does sound about right. I bet she gives a good hug. Mm. Even even for a pint-sized pop star, I bet she gives a good a good hug. And I bet she's not one of those stars that would shy away from if a fan came up for a hug within reason, she would um, she would get involved. Absolutely. Would you ever pay for a meet and greet? No, I just I wouldn't be able to handle the awkwardness of it. Uh, and the I fact love- it's it's a bit it's paid for as well. It just feels like they're. They're doing something that they're maybe not 100% comfortable with. You're doing something that maybe you're not 100% comfortable with. And the end result is just orcs, orcs central. Yeah. I And I don't want to sound negative because a lot of people pay for them and love them. And it's great to see people's photos with Kylie or Steps or Darren Hayes or whoever, because, you know, lots of stars do them and, and you can see why. But likewise, for me, it's sort of like, I've I've still got a dream that one day I'm going to bump into Kylie in a restaurant and we're going to hit it off and get absolutely pissed out of our heads, uh, just naturally. So I'd I'd rather wait for that to happen than paying for it. Also, sometimes, especially with people like was it Avril Lavigne, the really famous one, where you see them and and she didn't want to be there and yeah, made it horrible for the fan. And I think the photos there was someone are else as well. Third hand embarrassment, just the the gap between them. But Dan, just back to you uh, hoping to bump into Kylie in a restaurant. I don't think you're going to bump into her in the men's lavies in Nando's. <laughs> Somehow. Well, what about a harvester of a Sunday afternoon? The Toby Carvery, because uh, they do a really nice nut roast that I know she's a fan of. So you might find her in the Toby Carvery. Uh, probably not in London, probably somewhere in the home counties. And I am getting a lot of targeted ads recently for Toby Carvery puddings, uh, crumbles and custards and whatnot. So, uh, well, that's what happens if your location is there that often. <laughs> that's, all that's all I'm getting. Toby and Harvester. They know what side their bread's buttered. And you butter their bread both sides. Anyway, how did this track do in the charts? Because it was a single uh, and it was the... Second single to be released. It was the second single to be released. So again, a strange time for the charts. It actually entered at 69, but don't panic. It did climb up. Oh, grow up. No, sorry. (laughs) It climbed to number 10, where it peaked in May of 2008. Will, I'm sure you will agree, 
this doesn't feel like a number 10 song. No, this sounds like a top five song. Maybe not number one, but it does sound like a top five song. Particularly, uh, I love the single artwork for this. And this would have jumped off the shelves at you if you'd have gone and seen it on under the new singles sign in our price that week. Because I think it's absolutely stunning. Uh, it's very future neon, uh, but Kylie looks fantastic with her with her futuristic sunglasses on and that wonderful shade of lipstick, which I think is pink peppercorn. Hmm. Good. Good guess, actually. What from Primark? Yeah. Yeah. They do some great uh, value, cheap cosmetics. Uh, really good for the pocket and good for your face. You should let your mother know. And this has been a paid promotion by Primark. Oh, you can click and collect from Primark now, Dan, as well. So you don't need to go rifling through the rails to try and find a a top that you like. I did hear that the system crashed on day one, though. Oh, really? But didn't your mother have about 20 tabs open trying to secure some bits for Chrissy? Yeah, she was clicking refresh more times than than the Glassery ticket sale uh, the other week when we were doing that. And we have got the tickets. And we have got tickets. Wondering. Sorry, everyone, but we've got tickets. Sorry if you didn't. Sorry. Will, let me just tell you about the rest of the top 10 this week because it is another iconic one. And I don't think we have talked about this one yet. Kylie's in at number 10 with In My Arms. At number nine, you've got Flo Rida featuring T-Pain with Low. Number eight, a new entry for Coldplay with Violet Hill. Number seven, down one for September with Cry For You. At number six, Estelle featuring Kanye West with American Boy. Number five is Usher featuring Young Jeezy with Love in This Club. Number four, up four places for Will I Am featuring Shell Cole and Heartbreaker. Number three, down one for Sam Sam Sparrow with Black and Gold. Number two, up one for Wiley wearing my Rolex. And at number one, for another week, it's Madonna featuring Justin Timberlake and Four Minutes. I that chart is so good. I don't know which one of those songs to try and sing badly. Well, I don't need to try and sing badly to sing, comma badly. Badly. <laughs> Actually, you'll never see me again. And I was gonna cry for you. That's too high again, love. I know. There's really nowhere to go then, is there? Sounds not. What's the opposite of pitch perfect? Uh, pitch imperfect. Oh. Pitch god-awful. And Will, we haven't yet spoken about who is in on this track, who's on the writing and who's in the production. This was written by Kylie, and it's worth noting that uh, with a lot of the Kylie co-writes on this album, these were lyrics that she was writing while she was on that break between uh, albums, between tours, uh, and while she was going through her treatment. So not so much in this song, but on some of the tracks later, you'll really get to hear that as a theme. But with Kylie on this one is Calvin Harris, of course. You've also got Rich Stannard, a.k.a. Biffco. And you've got Paul Harris from Dirty Vegas. Now, I don't think we've mentioned Dirty Vegas before. So for anyone who doesn't know, Dirty Vegas uh, are Paul Harris and Steve Smith. They are a house music group. They've released their own tracks and they've done a lot of remixing uh, for the likes of Madonna. But they've also done a lot of Uh, production and co-writing as well Uh, so as well as this they've worked most recently with purple disco machine on fireworks and Mm -hmm. on steps to the beat of my heart oh baby i just love the way you dance in the dark oh to the beat of my heart Uh, 
And uh, I remember Dirty Vegas, Days Go By, dance classic uh, from back in the noughties, I think. We should move on though, Dan. Um, no? We should move on. <laughs> I just want to very quickly say this track's held in such high esteem by Kylie and the team that this closed the main set of the Kylie X 2008 tour. Did you see it, Will? No. Me neither. Great set list, though. But this would be a wonderful track to finish on because the it, the outro could just go on and she would just say, she always says, love to you all. And then she goes, uh, wonderful. Uh, then, then she came back for a six-song encore. Too much? Probably, depending on where it is, I'd probably have left for the bus by, uh, before the end of that encore. Not to get out of that bloody multi-story car park. Oh, if it was Alexandra Palace, uh, I'd have left after the second track of the main <laughs> of the main show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next track. Speak speakerphone. So track four, speaker phone. Now, I don't want to start on a negative, Will, but I just want to say something, generally speaking, about technology in songs. Mm. Now, speaker phone, I'm not 100% sure really what we're talking about when we say speaker phone, because you can have speaker phone on all phones, right? Even back in the day. But with this, I kind of get the impression that uh, the speakerphone, it was a big deal that the phone could be a speakerphone. Now it just already, to me, feels a little bit dated, just like songs when, when Destiny's Child are talking about paging and when Britney's talking about emailing. Just a, Is it just me, Will, or is talking about tech in songs a, a very quick way to date your songs? It's a very quick way to, to date a song. I didn't know where you were going with that, actually. Um, and I thought you were going to criticise the track. Uh, thankfully, you didn't. But yeah, it's a no. very quick way. Just look at the stick Kelly Rowland continues to get from that bloody music video. I mean, that was... I mean, what the hell is she bloody doing using Excel to text? How All works out in her favour, though, because she's headlining Mighty Hoopla. Uh, no, she isn't. Rachel Stevens is headlining Mighty Hoopla. Uh, I'm sorry to say, well, Rachel Stevens will be there before no, a couple of tracks. No, Rachel Stevens... Is headlining Mighty Hoopla. You're rewriting history. Good for you, actually. Now, this song, after a couple of more mainstream, very faithful to Kylie's dance, electro-pop uh, stylings, this is something a little bit more wonky and experimental. And when the harp kicks in at the start, you really don't know where this goes and certainly didn't expect it to go the way it does. And the thing I love about this song is it just it's slightly off kilter isn't it the way the beats slap and come in and that's what i really like about it also lovely to hear kylie getting in on the vocoder game yes love the lyrical delivery on this we all know kylie is an exceptional vocalist but i do love that she's not afraid to play with those effects and with those layers and with those robotics and so it only is right that for a track that is about technology that she feels like part of it and i and i really love the sound of it 
Who was involved in this, Dan? I'd love to know the minds behind this creation. So uh, this one was co-written and produced by Bloodshy and Avant. We have, of course, talked about them many times. They've done work with Britney, with Madonna, with Katy Perry, with Kelly with Miss Dynamite He He. It's just impossible to say her name without saying it like that, isn't it? It's forever, forever as such. It is, yeah. Good for her, actually, for, you know, making that memory. Uh, you've also got in there Klaas Achlund, who is a Swedish songwriter. We've talked about him before. He's worked with the likes of Robin, with Sugar Waves, with Eagle Eye Cherry. And you've also got in there Henrik Jombak, who has worked with Britney, Madonna, David Guetta, Dolly Parton, and most famously co-wrote uh, Toxic with Kathy Dennis. Uh, I'm never going to tire of hearing you try and pronounce a only very slightly difficult name. But despite what I said about the title and some of the lyrical content, I do like the structure of the song, the lyrics, uh, the way they're delivered. Um, the chorus is just lights flashing, sound clashing, mind blowing, body rocking, etc., etc., etc. It's just this list that goes on and on for you to play on your speakerphone. Uh, but interestingly, Will, for the Chinese audience, they didn't get this track on the standard version of the album. They also didn't get Like a Drug and the upcoming track New DT due to censorship laws. Too rude. Well, they weren't, they're not that actually that rude, but I think they're just super uh, sensitive, protective um, of that sort of content or that potential content. But musically, musically, oh no, you've had one of those. You've had one of those. No, I had oh. it lyrically. No, I had it lyrically. Oh, not okay, musically. sorry. Yeah, um, I've got a tally here. Um, as you said, love the harp beginning. I also really like the, the the gap between the different sections of the song, between the chorus and the next verse, where it, it kind of whirls or whirs back into the next section of the song. It is like you said; it's very off kilter. One reviewer of the album in fact said that this might have been more at home on robbie's root box uh, i don't know what i think about that opinion but what i do know is i really fancy one of those viennese whirls that you get you know with some the viennese biscuit with the cream and the loveliness in and heart sandwiched between the two well i think where we are now if you're listening at time of episode release we're on the run up to christmas so i think you might be more likely to get a uh, an angel whirl or some other kind of just slight rebrand from Mr. and Mrs. Kipling. Uh, or, uh, or why not just treat yourself to a lovely big bunt? Yeah. Or it can't beat one of those lovely luxury logs, chocolate logs. Uh, and uh, I look forward to sharing a Yule log with you, Dan. Oh, yes, because we are recording our Christmas episodes together in person and I am planning quite a feast. Are you? Mm. Oh, lovely. Uh, I'll put an order in. Uh, champagne only, actually, as well. Let's move on to track five. Sensitize.
was sensitised, and this is just by a slim bit my second favourite track on the album. Wow. Uh, no, that's, it's not that's that. Really... That's not. No, it's not that one. <laughs> you just said wow. You went, oh, wow. I just got the, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. yeah. It took a while. A few little tick, tick, ticks going on there. And it slowly crept its way into my affections over repeated listens. But I actually love how unique this sounds. It's a classic pop song structure, but with some fantastic production flourishes. I'm ashamed to admit, though, when I first heard this track prior to the release of the album, I... Prior? What? No, this wasn't a single, Will. Let me finish. I don't I... understand how you could have. <laughs> really? Well, there's a bit of context. There's a bit of a. You know, it does explain itself a little bit. When I first listened to this track before the album was released, I assumed it was still a rough demo. And I was a little bit embarrassed and taken aback when it was the final version because it was the version that was on the album when it was released. Uh, however, what I thought at the time was some questionable uh, production flourishes uh, or maybe some unpolished work has now turned out to be my favorite parts of it uh and i'm talking about the uh the what or whatever that noise is it's just can't get out of my head oh it's not that song (laughs) um well well uh, yeah i'm really surprised sorry for interrupting by the way i'm just still trying to figure out how you listened to it before the album was released let it go let it go dan (laughs) but this is an incredible song. I also love this one, and there is such a fantastic, not only a great team behind it, but a great story behind it as well, because this was originally a song written by Guy Chambers, of course, Robbie Williams' co-writer, co-producer of many years, also um, co-wrote Your Disco Needs You and a couple of other tracks from Light Years with Robbie. Uh, Kid's been the other one, of course. It couldn't disappeared from my brain for a second um but guy wrote this one around a sample of the 1968 serge gainsbourg and brigitte bardot track bonnie and clyde and then kathy dennis went on to uh co-write the track and i guess turn it into a bit more of a pop i was gonna say banger but it's not a pop banger it's a really gentle um you can definitely hear that sixes influence throughout from the sample. Uh, it's not a banger; it's a stunner. I'd say, Will, a gentle stunner. Stunner, page three, stunner, a track five, stunner. Oh, uh, oh! Do you think Sam Fox could have had a single with this a hit? Uh, no, I, she's not got the she's not got the range. <laughs> and this is one of those songs, Will, which I don't think you get too often with Kylie. It opens with the title of the track. And then you get to hear it again in the chorus. Oh, brain teaser for you and for our listeners, actually, during the break. And uh, to think about uh, any other Kylie Minogue songs that uh, start with the title of the song. Oh, I love that. Because off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Well, have a think about it while we take a short break. If you don't want to splash out this Christmas, Argus takes care of it. I hear a visit to Curry's this Christmas. Come on, it's over here. 
and you really will believe your eyes. Would you like to buy a dishwasher? Well, I've heard this hot Thousands of guys call Gay Exchange every day. Dial 0891 34 and make contact with the right men right here, right now. Light, delicious maitre d' mince pies. At 52p for six, they're a Christmas essential, only from Gateway. Welcome back to Track Welcome by back. Track. And uh, have you had any thoughts on what we were talking about, Dan, before the break? Uh, no, to be honest, Will, I was too sidetracked by some of those wonderful commercials. Uh, yeah, by some of our sponsors for this episode, uh, we fully endorse everything you just heard. But do let us know at Track by Track UK if you can think of any others, please. So let's move on to track six, Heartbeat Rock. And this is just bringing the pace down a little bit halfway through the album. Uh, Dan, I wonder who on earth had produced this track. It's really not at all clear, is it? And I bet it's really bugging you, isn't it, as well? Because you mm, thought you knew who was going to be on this one. Normally, it would be on the tip of my tongue. Well, let me put you out of your misery, Will. This was produced by... And Mr. C. Harris, according to my uh, cassette inlay here, which I can only assume is Calvin Lovey. Oh, I should have known, because normally with him, it would be like be slapping you around the face. <laughs> so obvious. While we're here, I can let you know that Calvin is also on the co-write with Kylie, with John Lipsy, and with friend of the podcast. We can say that, definitely. Uh, good friends of the podcast. Karen Paul. Ah, oh, Karen. Ah, oh, that's really nice. And you should know who Karen is. If you don't, Karen, of course, uh, one half of Alicia's Attic and has gone on to have an incredible writing career. Lots of work with Kylie, but also most recently, lots of huge hits with Becky Hill. And what do you think of this track? Because I think it is perfectly placed in the album. I love the kind of electro flourishes, but also the fact it's a bit of a more of a low tempo, low beat bop. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a really strong album track. I think you could assume that with Karen and Calvin on board, you know, maybe this was aiming to be uh, a single at some point. I think it was the right decision to leave it as an album track. I like there's a real simplicity to this one, which I think Calvin certainly back then brought to his production. He was kind of it's very much Mm. a more of a contemporary dance sound than his first album, but still had some of those more vintage uh, electronics in there, quite kind of like the the keyboard stabs that you'd get in that. Um, And some of the vocal kind of effects and uh, echoes as well. But yeah, I think it's a great track. And like you said, well-placed as well. What are you up to tonight? I'll go around and see our Karen and our Calvin. They got a new track for me. (laughs) They're in a band. Okay, track number seven now. This is a big one. It's the one. Love 
also the one there. What an iconic and incredible Kylie single. Will, if it's okay with you, I want to jump straight into who's working on this track because it really is a meeting of the greats. Yeah, very notable. Go for it. So on this track, you have got Bifko, Richard Sanard, of course. We've talked about him many, many times. Incredible work with Spice Girls, still continuing to work with Kylie. And working with Bifko, you have Freemasons. Freemasons, of course, some incredible hits uh, in their own right. Lots of uh, collaborations as well. Will, what's your favourite Freemason single? Oh, well, it's too many to choose from because I think the singles... Um their own singles um uninvited always sticks out rain down love is so euphoric but then i think about some of the work they've done producing for other artists heartbreak made me a dancer yeah um, that's gonna be mine from sophie lovey bittersweet actually is often very underappreciated and and not mentioned enough but then also their remix work and some of the absolutely epic bangers they remix for beyonce and kelly lovey and well Solange. i was just about to say yeah Topical, of course, uh, with Kelly because their remix of Work, just iconic. And as soon as I saw that Kelly Rowland was going to be headlining uh, Mighty Hoop, no, sorry, co-headlining with Rachel Stevens. Thank you. Mighty Hoopla. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, my, my first thought was, oh my God, seeing Work and hopefully that Freemasons version, or whether it's a combination of the two, whatever, live, that is going to be a moment. Uh, they've got, I mean, just just listen to their original albums as well for some fantastic dance pop. But the one, this is the one. This is my favourite song on the album because everything I love about Kylie, it's a heartbreaking dance anthem which sparkles and shines but at the same time makes you cry into your wine. And I just think it's just Kylie wonderful. Wine. Of course, Kylie Wine. And I hope there'll be some Kylie sparkling on the go when we record our Christmas episodes, by the way. Well, you, you can't say champagne only and then ask for Kylie sparkling because I hate to break it to you, but I don't think she's quite broken into champagne yet. 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 Maybe there's a little Christmas surprise coming. Oh, yeah, I'll have a look down Asda's tomorrow and I'll, uh, I'll bring a bottle if I see one. But no, do you know what I mean with this one? It is just wonderfully euphoric, but at the same time, wonderfully uh melancholic and we that's what we that's one of the things that we love is a sad banger absolutely i completely agree with you and also this is my favorite song from this album i think potentially this is in my top 10 favorite kylie songs ever for all those reasons the melancholy mixed with that dance pop sound and what i love about this is again such uh, an incredible collaboration between freemasons and Bifco, and yet there is such a simplicity to this track, not only with the music and that just, that, uh, how do you even describe that kind of digital repetitive sound going through the track, but also the chorus itself, just I'm the one, love me, love me, love me. So simple, but delivered so well, produced so well, uh, just an iconic number. And if you want to take this to the next level, the Freemasons also remixed. So there's a vocal club mix, which is nine over nine minutes long, which just turns the dial up a little bit more on it. And the Freemasons remixes, alongside probably Trouser Enthusiasts, are famous for their extreme length remixes. Uh, and then at the same time, producing a radio edit, an edit of it. 
also Freemasons, um, very well known for artists actually going with their remix edits as the radio play version, like Kelly and work. I was quite surprised there, Will. You mentioned uh, Freemasons and Traz and Enthusiasts for the extra length. Didn't mention Calvin Harris's. I don't know work. What, what? I don't know what you mean. Uh, some of his remixes are quite long as well. Ah, okay. But I have to say, well, I don't know uh, if we're differing on this one. I do prefer the original version to the Freemasons one because, as you said, the Freemasons version I think was used for the single release. Certainly, the video features the Freemasons version. I think again. Uh, very scared to say anything about videos after what I said about there being no video for Danny Minogue's uh, Disremembrance. And oh, God, you got absolutely crucified on social media. On. It was fantastic. Absolutely you loved, loved it. We were the highest Everyone of my year. screenshotted yeah. and forwarded it over. Oh, really did enjoy that. Uh, also, Dan, hate to correct you, but I didn't say it was my favourite and I preferred the remix. I just said it was there if you want to turn the dial up. On the ah. uh, danciness uh, and euphoria of it. Sorry for breathing. Sorry for breathing. Thank you. Now, this was released as a single, but it was digital only. So have you got any intel on that, Dan? Yes, I have, Will. So as I said, with the previous two singles, they both entered quite low down the charts, but then picked themselves up and got themselves to the top 10. This one entered... At number 36, this is in August 2008. And that's where it peaked. And then it dropped out the chart. And Will, I do have to say, I really do think that what was happening in the charts at the time played a huge part in this. Because as you just said, this was a digital only release. This was the final single from the album. Uh, And at the time... Digital downloads played a part in the sales and physical sales played a part in the sales as well, of course. So she didn't have the combined sales uh, to take it any higher. And I think if this had been released just a couple of years before when it was purely physical, I think it would have been a huge hit. I think it was re- if it was released a few years later when things had changed as well, it'd be a huge hit. I just think it's a real shame when it was released because you and I know, and I think a lot of the fans know as well, that this is one of her best. It's it's much loved and massively underrated in the charts at the time. But this will go on to be known and to be looked at as one of her best. And actually, when we talked about the Aphrodite episode, uh, I think we mentioned that Kylie, when she was going into that project, of course, that came after this album. She was really looking for uh, more hits, more chart performance, and she was very unhappy with how this performed again not all of it her fault um but it gave it, it gave her a bit more drive i suppose gusto project. to make it yeah mm. to make it something big okay so number eight no more rain optimistic track this is it kind of does remind me of after a a really heavy rain shower when the sun comes out and shines through 
the rain-soaked leaves on a tree and you can just see it dappling and breaking through. There's hope, there's excitement, uh, but it's very slightly underplayed. Yeah, definitely. Def- after all the electronics that we've had before and uh, some even some darker electronic sounds, even the one I'd say we've talked about the melancholy in that song, this definitely feels more uplifting and it's a bit of a journey because i think as well you get some of the uh you know it starts with have you ever thought that the sky was just endlessly dark um but then it picks you up with that chorus and this is a really interesting track on the album it's it's got a really interesting story uh in the journey of the album as well because this a lot of this was written by kylie again uh, written during her treatment and post-treatment um and this is a song that she first of all she tried to work on this with uh, Bloodshy and Avant, um, but didn't feel that they were right for the job. So not right for this song, I should say, of course. They've done some wonderful work on the album, but not right for this track and what it meant to her. So she ended up working with Karen Paul uh, and Greg Kirsten on this one as well. Mm. And I think Karen Paul, probably a great collaborator on a track that wanted she wanted to sound like this. Um, it's good to, good to hear that... Uh, with Bloodshy went sacked from the project. It was just uh, a change of direction for this track. Because it did sound like, the way you said it, like they were disposed of. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to them and Kylie and everyone else. Uh, interestingly, Kylie suggested that her, Karen and Greg pop off to Ibiza for a few days to work on that and some of the other tracks on the album as well. Oh, what a wonderful idea. That'd be lovely. Oh, Dan, why don't we pop off to Ibiza to work on some of the podcasts? Uh, your treat? No, no, no. We'll um, we'll go Dutch. I thought we were going to Ibiza. <laughs> and I went. I mentioned before, Will, that on the Kylie X 2008 tour, in my arms was the last track of the main set. This was the first song of the encore, which I think is a lovely placement, actually. Mm. Uh, track number nine now. All I see. So all I see there, and we said there was a few different sounds on this album. This is a whole new sound. And in fact, I think not only on this album, but for Kylie in general, there's a real kind of gentle R&B pop thing going on here. It's not something we really know Kylie for, is it? No, and some also some, there's that, but also some wonderful like 80s guitar flourishes thrown into the mix as well. And I really, I really like the, the beat to it and the way it kind of bumps along. I also think alongside No More Rain, uh, after the one, and before we get into the back half of the album, or the back third of the album, it's a really nice interlude of something like No More Rain, a little bit different, a little bit more low-key. But at the same time, I don't think Kylie will ever be a uh, hiding her uh, talent under a bush. I think there's all there's, every song of hers has something about it that hooks you in. And I think, like you say, it's that kind of R&B, 80s approach to this one that, that makes it stand out. 
Uh, and in a very positive review of the album, it was likened to things like Janet Jackson and Neo. So, yeah, really kind of working its way towards a more R&B sound. I don't really dislike the track, but it's definitely not one of my favourites on the album. And, and it's not a sound, you know, I'm glad Kylie didn't continue with this sound, if I'm really honest. And it's not a sound you ever want to hear it do again. Ever. <laughs> It's fine on the album, it's fine. And it was a single, Will, but not in the UK. This oh. was released in the US and Australia. Uh, in the US, released in March of 2008. In Australia, released in November of 2008. So a big gap there. But I feel like with that March release, definitely kind of playing towards uh, a bit of a different sound for them. She also performed it on uh, the Dancing with the Stars um on oh, ice results show <laughs> uh and also on the Ellen DeGeneres show Ooh. yeah cancelled so next up track 10 damn very surprising dance rock track so late in the album just when things have dropped down a little bit i uh, i really enjoy this song it's really great i love there's a mesmerizing synth running through this before the thrashing guitar kicks in and uh, i think it's really i think it's really really good it could have been a single for me yeah, I really love this one as well. And I love the placement of it after No More Rain and All I See. Because, you know, I was probably thinking, oh, God, is this one going to peter out? Uh, of course, a Kylie album's not going to peter out. But this... Well, don't this... don't count your chickens, Dan. It's what I would just say to you. Oh, interesting. Hold that thought. But a great team on this one. It's Kylie again writing with Richard Bifko Stannard. Uh, alongside Dirty Vegas. And with this, it's another one that Kylie had started writing uh, during the two-year break, during her treatment. And this one kind of questioning the meaning of life, almost. You're asking yourself what's real, what to do with these feelings that you have inside surreal. Um, I, I I love how she used songwriting and lyric writing as a tool during that time. Uh, and I think it's incredible that, you know, when we say this quite a lot where when a negative situation happens to a musician, quite often they'll turn it into music and not always a sad track. In some cases, this kind of 80s tinged synthy guitar-y banger. Mm. And I guess you could say she did the same thing again during lockdown. She actually turned uh, a tough situation into a really creative space. And I love the fact that, you know, she did so much on that disco album herself at home during lockdown. And just another reason we love her, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, The fact is, well, I still am always in awe of the fact that during lockdown, she learned how to uh, produce vocals just so, you know, she wasn't in the studio, she wasn't with others, but so she could keep working on music. 
What an icon. And Honestly. we still can't get audio levels right after four years. So <laughs> good for her. Thankfully, the editing fairies. Oh, no. Do we talk about them anymore? No, they're dead. <laughs> okay, track number 11 now. Wow. So wow there and wow indeed. I think after Two Hearts, if people were a little bit unsure of what was happening with this era of Kylie, then this probably would have cleared their heads and would have sorted them out because in the UK, this was a follow-up single. This was the second single uh, and it's just iconic Kylie, isn't it? This has got a hit record, hit pop record written all over it. Uh, it's catchy, it's bold, it's bright, uh, it's super positive. And uh, for me, it's one of my favourite tracks on the album. But this could have been, you know, I love Two Hearts, but this could have been the lead single that launched this album. It really would have made people go, wow. <laughs> and originally it was supposed to be the lead single, well, this or Like a Drug. And then ultimately they went with Two Hearts um but in the us they went with all i see and it's not only the fact it screams hit record also just the package the whole single package was fantastic because not only did you have a raft of remixes you also had three absolute stone cold solid b-sides on it as well so you know it was like it was being prepped and plumped and fluffed to be a sing to be a big single <laughs> uh and, and you know and the 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 personnel working on this track also are hit makers as well they absolutely are on this one it's once again kylie greg and karen first name terms this is another track they wrote together in ibiza and apparently they hadn't been there very long when they started working on this track and it just sort of wrote itself. Uh, you've also got Greg on the production there. But I also want to say, well, just on, you talked about the incredible B-sides that came with this. Not only that, you've got some incredible remixes, including Greg Kirsten's remix of Can't Get You Out of My Head and remixes of Wow by CSS and also the Fuck Me, I'm Famous remix by David Guetta Getter and... Joaquim Goron. Thank you, because I was going to really struggle with that. Joe, Chim, Andre, Garoud. <laughs> so sorry about that. But it's also sorry. interesting um, that this is one of the first songs I wrote in Ibiza because like CSS and David Guetta, you know, very much mainstays of the whole Ibiza music and club scene out there. Absolutely. And also there was a Pasha Ibiza terrace mix of Two Hearts on here as well. So, you know... It's uh, it all links. It's all it all fits as well. Now we've talked about how amazing the track is, how it screams a hit record, how the package for the single, the remixes, the B sides was really strong, the hit makers uh, that were behind it. Dan, no pressure. Oh God, how did it get on? Well, Will, this was released first as a single 
in the last week of December oh, in、no, 2007,、no. oh, where he entered at number 32. Week in the charts, it climbed to its peak position of number five, where it stayed for two weeks. And Will, you're gonna love this at number 10 that week, it's Kelly Rowland with work. <laughs> That's wonderful to hear.、Uh, also, in the、oh, we're not gonna do the whole top 10, Will, but also in there, you've got One Republic again, we mentioned them earlier. You've got Rihanna, of course, we've spoken about her before. You have got Nickelback with Rockstar at number three. You've got H2O featuring Platinum、uh, with What's It Gonna Be at number two. And you've got Duffy Lovey with Mercy at number one. So you, you almost did the top ten anyway there. I did about seven or six. I think six of them actually.、Uh, I also, the placing of this track right up the arse end of the album is fantastic. Although, don't let it lull you into a false sense of security for the last two tracks, is what I'll say. Now, well, this is the kind of song that I would assume would be in every single Kylie set list. But actually, I don't think it is. And I'm thinking about Glastonbury specifically. And I'm going to do a little bit of research while the next song plays because I want to know. But if I don't say otherwise, I don't think it was performed there. And it kind of, I think it's quite strange that it's not held in that high regard. Well, yeah, it surely has Crowd Pleaser written all, out, written all over it. I guess it's not as sing along a ball, apart from going wow, 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 wow,、uh, maybe uh, for audience members.、Uh, although we were giving it some on the BVs, actually, as we normally do, because this one is uh, uh, great for the yeah, yeah, yeahs as well as the wow, wow, wows. And I will, I can confirm, actually, just had a quick a bit of research there. It wasn't performed there. Okay, so we're on to the penultimate track on the album, and this is New DT. Now, Will, I've been dying to ask you since we started the episode because I think I know the answer. Are you a fan of nudity?、Uh, no, keep it all covered. No one wants to see that. Oh, okay. No, I'm telling you that. That's, in, that's an instruction. Oh, for now. No one、I'm... wants to see that. That's not very nice. Oh, no, I'm sure it's all. No, I, <laughs> I don't care. It's interesting because at the start of the song, Kylie's saying, Let me see, let me see, but you're not really buying into that train of thought. No, and I have to say, this probably isn't my favourite、um, moment on the album either.、Uh, it's not a real low point, but I just, I just can't get on board with this kind of rap,、uh, electro rap track. It just doesn't sit right with me for Kylie. I have to agree. It's a fun song. What a fun song. I haven't seen that for a while. And I don't think we've ever said it on a Kylie episode. What a fun song. It is a fun song. It's Bloodshy and Avent on the co write and produce. It's Karen Paul once again.、Um, this is not a terrible track whatsoever, but on this album with Kylie singing it, 
when people were being quite negative about the album and about some of the lyrical content, this was probably part of it. And I've got nothing against Kylie singing whatever she wants to sing. I've got nothing against Kylie being sexual at, you know, whatever age she wants to be sexual at. That's completely her prerogative. But for me, this is just a little bit cringe, I want to say almost. And I don't want to say that about Kylie. Oh, no. Yeah. But Will... Yes. Time to strip down, time to strip down. Just pop that zipper for me and whip that thing out. <laughs> and it's not Car- it's not Calvin. Oh, don't just ban it in China. Ban it in the UK as well, for goodness sake. <laughs> just so you don't say that again out loud. <laughs> That's going to be your new ringtone. <laughs> Shall we go into the last track of the album? Yeah, I'd love to talk about nudity much more with you, especially because we're planning our next holiday together, aren't we? But... We'll that's we'll do that another time. Naked Ramblers. So track thirteen, last track on this standard version of the album is Cosmic. So Cosmic there, and what a great time to talk about the fantastic album artwork. Oh, it's always lovely when that's the... No, it's not lovely, actually, when that's the last track on the album. But it's always lovely when we don't have that. It always feels like a bit of a sidetrack when when it happens halfway through the album, normally. Nice to say it again. But such a shame that for the last track of the album, it is time to talk about the album artwork. Uh, Is there any album cover of Kylie's that's not an absolutely stunning shot of her? I just don't think it's possible to not have no, and I not have that. I hope she's never the kind of artist that just doesn't have herself on the cover. It has to be Kylie on the cover. Mm. Uh, what I'm not so much a fan of is the Kylie font that was used for this era, uh, because it's mm. almost illegible unless you know it says Kylie. Yes, agreed. Also, feels quite of the time, but not exactly timeless. I, I love Kylie's makeup on here. That shade of red is absolutely stunning. It's a really deep. I think it is a kind of um, bronzed rose, I think that shade is, actually. <laughs> you, you really should work for... Uh... Estee Lauder. Yeah, or Lush. What I love about the cover as well, is, not, I love the veil, that's Kylie's that Kylie's wearing so with that kind of saucy. X shape on that bit saucy. I also love the kind of layering of the colours. You've got the red on one side and the yellow on the other, and the kind of uh, almost that kind of three D look when you haven't got the glasses on. But what about the track, Will? Oh, I just don't think for an album this full of really bold dance pop tracks, I just think finishing it is something a little bit wishy washy. My opinion, like this, uh, doesn't do it justice. I am going to, of course, disrespectfully disagree because I kind of get what you mean that there's a lot of electro on this album, but I almost feel like in a way this is nicely bookended with two hearts uh, and that kind of more stripped back sound. Um, it's, it's, you know, we're not really used to big proper ballads from Kylie because we don't tend to get them so much anymore, but here i think it works well because of the lyrical content because it's another one that she 
um, co-wrote. And so it just kind of almost date stamps uh, the album. Also, she worked on this one with Egg White. Egg White, we've spoken about many times before, uh, formerly of Brother Beyond, but went on to uh, work with some icons from Take That to Alison Moyet uh, to Javine, um, and more recently taking it right up to date with James Morrison and Celine Dion. Of course, Will, for so many people, this wasn't the last track, because as we said, there were different versions. There was a, a CD-ROM bonus track. There was a um, USB additional content. There was an Australian version, a European version, a Japanese version, a mixing version, a US version, and more. Yes, and if you had the Mexican special edition version, you would actually go all the way to 19 tracks on this album. Imagine that. Goodness me. be way past our bedtime if we were doing that. It would. Uh, so just a word on the album performance. And I have to say, it was uh, probably as mixed a reception as we've alluded to many times uh, during this episode with the likes of The Guardian and Rolling Stone uh, giving it very average three out of five scores. And I think a lot of the reception from critics at the time praised certain elements, but as evenly handed as that um, weren't so keen on some of the other elements. And also, I do think um, from the reception and the reviews, the fact that she worked with so many different uh, producers and writers uh, didn't go down well with some people because they felt the album was too much of a scattergun approach to a pop album. And we've mentioned before that Aphrodite came next and that there were a lot of different collaborators on that one as well. But I think what holds that together is the fact that Stuart Price is the executive producer of that one. So kind of mm. making sure it works as a cohesive thing. It's kind of like you can you can tell that's the lesson Kylie learned from this one, uh, you know, with the benefit of hindsight. But this, this is not a bad album. Uh, you know, Stuart Price and Calvin Harris, mm. which one of them do you think has got the bigger recording studio? Well, it's not about the size of it, is it? It's what they can do with it. Exactly, exactly. Right, so further listening time. Uh, there's much to choose. Many remixes, many B-sides, many tracks that didn't even uh, end up on any version of the album. Dan, I'd love for you to go first. Oh, thank you very much, Will. I have gone for one of the B-sides that featured on the lead single, Two Hearts. And Will? Yes, I don't know what it is. Oh, no, come on, Dan. I asked you for some further listening. You've got to give a track. No, well, the track is called I Don't Know What It Is. Oh, well, let's have a listen then. So I don't know what it is there. What I love about this song is that once again, it's Kylie co-writing with Bifco. But on this one, you've also got Rob Davis, of course, formerly of 70s glam rock band Mud, who went on to co-write Can't Get You Out of My Head with Kathy Dennis and hasn't done a great deal. 
I'm wrecking my brains now, if any, with Kylie post-Fever. So I love that that this song exists. And I think you can really hear what he's bringing to it. Mm. Those guitars, there is that kind of glam rock guitar sound. It's a really fun song. I said it again, a fun song. I think it's a it's right that it wasn't on the album. I think it's a good B-side. Um, but I think it definitely needs to be heard. Yeah, I think it's a good flip side to Two Hearts because, again, it's not like completely electro dance pop like the rest of the album, but it's a bit more uh, upbeat and a bit more thrashing than uh, than Two Hearts is. Uh, also, just got a little bit of stuck in the middle with you to it for me as well. I was getting a little bit of maybe like Delight or something like that. It's got a swirl to it, kind of mm. a little bit of a... Not psychedelic fully, but just a little bit of something in there. Oh, I'm hungry for a Viennese swirl again now. Just you saying swirl. Would you up for a Viennetta? Oh, no, not a Viennetta. Quite, um, I always find that the vanilla one is very bland. But when I was in Italy, I had a creme brulee one. That sounds delicious. They, I, they do a vanilla one. That does sound extremely bland. Who Who's ordering a vanilla... Viennetta. You used to get it free with your bargain bucket from KFC. You're vegetarian. Yes, I know. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, my turn. So, uh, my choice, we're going with a B-side from WoW. Uh, This isn't Did It Again. This is Do It Again. This compliments Wow really lovely because it takes that euphoria from Wow and takes it up a notch. Uh, this is a powerful three-minute, twenty-second pop song, and I think it's just—it's so cute and it's so fun and it's so glittery and wonderful. Uh, I just think it's so positive and yeah, I think it's just perfect on as a Wow B-side. Definitely. And also, this is another one of the tracks that Kylie, Karen and Greg worked on in Ibiza while they were writing Wow. That's a lot of Ws. Wow. Wow. Um, also on this, you've got Karen on the BVs. That's backing vocals to you, Will. And one of the things that Kylie loved about working with Carol uh, is that they both have the same vocal style. So you might not have even known it was her. Not you, Will. Anyone. And hate to correct you again, Dan, in this episode, but it's Karen, not Carol. Can I say Carol? You did say Carol. No, I was probably thinking about your mother. <laughs> we're we're out, out of time. time. And, oh, we've really talked today, haven't we? Yes, we have never tired of talking about Kylie. Do let us know what you think to the episode and to Kylie's ex at Track by Track UK and across the socials across socials and don't forget to let us know if there are any other Kylie tracks where the, the first words of the song are the same as the title of the song as well at Track yes. by Track UK 
And don't forget to join us on Patreon where we've got so much content now, uh, we might need considerably bigger buns. <laughs> yes, we have got on there three Kylie exclusives, Impossible Princess, Let's Get To It, and our Kylie episode of Further Listening, which is our Deep Cuts always to be a patreon exclusive series so thank you for joining us for this epic chat through kylie's ex see you again very soon on the podcast until then i've been nude and i've been yapping away on my speakerphone yes <laughs> goodbye goodbye oh sorry that took a bit longer than you You are a fan of a cling film butty, aren't you? (laughs) No comment.